In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist, Join us on June 13th, coast to coast, as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Another edition of the Metrospective, Pete McCarthy along with Tim Britton. Tim, how are you? It's a typical Memorial Day weekend, Pete, staying inside, sleeping a lot, <laughs> watching movies. That's that's the unofficial start to every summer for me. Yes, this is this is what it is. And if you're uh yeah, if you're uh, not a big beach guy. I guess it doesn't uh, doesn't change a whole lot here. But uh, we do have the the pleasure an exciting guest uh, who I haven't heard really talk about his Mets days in in detail. Uh, and it is the former general manager of the New York Mets, and I would say one of the most influential figures in modern baseball history. Uh, Sandy Alderson, kind enough to join us right now. And Sandy, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing very well, Pete. Thank you. So how, what, what is, uh, you know, what has it been like for you over these last couple of months? Uh, we know you're, you're down in St. Petersburg, Florida, but um, yeah, how are you holding up? We're holding up well. My wife and I are down here. Um, uh, it's uh, every day is the same routine. You know, wake up, take a long walk, eat lunch, read the newspapers, <laughs> eat dinner, Netflix. That's pretty much <laughs> <laughs> What's the go-to Netflix show right now? Uh, you know what? We watched uh, recently something called The Tunnel, which actually I think was on Amazon Prime, uh, which I was, it was an interesting, you know, detective procedural, but the thing that was interesting was that it involved uh, a detective from England and a detective from France. So The Tunnel is the channel between the two countries, and uh, it just brought into the whole plot the differences or stereotypical differences between the French and the British. So it was, it was an interesting uh, twist. But anyway, that uh, Bosch was a good one. I don't know if you've seen Bosch. Bosch mm-hmm. is not a play detective. Uh, that was kind of cool because it had a lot of uh, uh, L.A. locations and, uh, you know, L.A. is always a colorful backdrop to any story. So uh, shall I go on? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> this is what we're all doing. I'm watching Mad Men, right? I mean, it's uh, you gotta find some kind of routine at night and, and something yeah. to do. Uh, great no baseball documentary on uh, ZZ Top. Um, oh, nice! I hadn't realized, you know, I'm familiar with uh, their videos from the early '80s, but they they were uh, a popular Texas band as in the early '70s. So. Um, Anyway, there's a, there's an interesting uh, documentary on uh, ZZ Top, so a lot of different stuff. 
Have you, I, I know I kind of mentioned this at the top, have you talked about your Mets days in detail in the past? Have we uh, have not, I missed it? Uh, no, I haven't. And um, don't expect me to today. <laughs> <laughs> Is the NDA still in place? What are we looking at? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I don't think there's any uh, there's any legal restriction. I just uh, I'm happy to talk about uh, uh, many aspects of my time there, which I which I uh, really enjoyed. Enjoyed the Mets. Enjoyed New York. Uh, living in New York, it was the second time I had lived in New York. So I've got uh, in New York City probably um, I don't know twelve or thirteen years total. No, more like fifteen. Um, so I enjoy New York. And did enjoy New York and enjoyed uh, my time with the Mets. And, you know, we had some ups and some longer periods of downs, but uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it there as my, my wife did and the rest of my family. Yeah, I guess, I guess to start, we'll go back to that, that offseason of 2010 uh, when you got the job as the general manager. You know, there is a certain... I guess, public narrative about how that came about with, with maybe Major League Baseball uh, recommending you for the job. What, from your perspective, what was that offseason like uh, in deciding to, to take that job? Well, at the time, I was working in the Dominican Republic uh, for the commissioner uh, as a sort of a special assistant for um, uh, Latin American baseball. And we had, you know, baseball faced some issues in Latin America at that time. Uh, particularly in the Dominican Republic, different issues in Venezuela, but uh, nonetheless, a number of, of them. And uh, so I went down there for about a year um, and, um, you know, was working on those uh, issues for the commissioner's office. And at some point, it was probably uh, October, first part of October. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when... Um, Omar Manaya was let go, but but uh, thereafter there was uh, uh, obviously a search for a general manager. And I, as I recall, I was in the Dominican, and Joel Sherman wrote an article saying that I ought to be a candidate. And from there, I'm not sure what happened. Honestly, uh, I never really talked to the commissioner about it. I mean, I I did talk to him and asked him for permission to consider the job at some point because I did feel an obligation to, uh, um, to Bud uh, to continue what I was doing in the Dominican. But he, you know, he gave me uh, the permission, permission to go ahead and, and pursue it. Uh, but in terms of his uh, recommendation to uh, the Wilpons, you know, I, I have no idea what uh, influence or uh, uh, even role that he played in, in uh, what transpired and the fact that I ended up getting the job. What was the state of the franchise when you took over? How would you describe it? Well, <clears throat> I would describe the Mets as an iconic franchise, regardless <laughs> of the shape that it may be in at any particular time. And look, it, it represents New York. It's got a um, an interesting, at least, history. You know, with uh, 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 its expansion in '62, uh, the the improbable World Series in '69. <laughs> Uh, the again improbable win in the uh, 1986 uh, uh, World Series. So I mean, it's you know, it's it's New York, so it, it uh, has a certain cachet. And for that reason, I was you know, I was I was uh, interested in the franchise. There were some other non-baseball reasons for taking the job. My my uh, daughter and her family lived 
in New Jersey at the time. And um, my father was interested in uh, me getting back with the team. He always loved uh, rooting for, for uh, my home team. But as far as the uh, franchise was concerned, um, um, you know, I think there were probably two things that were relevant. One was just the overall uh, uh, situation with the franchise baseball wise. And, you know, I wouldn't say that uh, we were in great shape, but I don't think we were in really poor shape either. Uh, the farm system was probably at least to our knowledge at that time, maybe average. Um, uh, there were obviously some good players at the major league level, but there were some issues that existed at the major league level. And then of course the second, um, important factor at that time was the, um, gradually emerging, uh, problem created by, by, uh, Bernie Madoff and that whole situation. So, um, while it wasn't clear to me the extent of the Bernie Madoff problem uh, when I came in, I was certainly aware of it. Um, but, um, you know, the decisions that, and, and it was clear to me too, that we were for, for, for those two reasons early on, we were probably going to have to reduce our payroll. Mm -hmm. So, so from the very beginning, uh, you know, the idea was to try and do as well as we could at the major league level, but at the same time, start to, uh, um, improve the farm system, and secondly, um, create some some payroll flexibility going forward, which meant that we had to bring the payroll down in order to create the flexibility going forward. Uh, what was the extent of the the Madoff issues that you you learned about as time went on? Well, you know, when I first started. Um, uh, I was aware that, uh, you know, Madoff, the, the Madoff scheme had been uh, publicized. I wasn't aware of the extent to which the Wilpon family might be impacted by it. That became clear, clear later. Um, so, um, you know, we went most of 2011 had to do with um, you know, that situation. And, you know, one of the things wasn't so much, uh, I mean, certainly the, the impact financially, but also the uncertainty of the Madoff situation, not knowing what, what exactly the impact. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to me necessarily, but to the Wilpons themselves, that just wasn't clear for, you know, many months, if not a year or two, exactly what the extent of the impact would be. So that, that uncertainty brought itself some need to, uh, um, uh, you know, stabilize the franchise and uh, to some extent lower the payroll. With the other side of quarantine life in sight, you want something that you can feel good about yourself with, right? Many of us struggling with haircuts and it might still be a while until you can visit the barber. But one thing that you can control on your own, how you smell. And with Father's Day coming up, start dropping the hints that you'd love some Hawthorne cologne. Yeah, it smells great. And you know what? The world will appreciate you putting your best self forward. Check it out. Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. Use promo code ATHLETIC 
to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Around that same time, maybe a year after, so 2012, 2013, you had teams like the Astros and Cubs going into kind of these deeper freeze rebuilds where they were kind of stripping the, the major league roster. Had you guys contemplated anything like that, given the, the challenges you had at that point in time? Would Did you, did you think about that option? And, and what would the Wilpons have been receptive to, to something like that at that point, you think? Well, we didn't consider it. As I, as I just articulated, I think our goal was to do as well as we could, given the, the two other primary um, uh, motives, uh, operational um, motives. Again, improving the farm system and, and uh, giving ourselves some payroll flexibility. But we never, we never considered just completely tanking. I never recommended that to the Wilpons. And, and my guess is that, that uh, that's not something that I didn't sense that was something they wanted to do, but it's not something we we contemplated seriously. At, at that time, kind of, um, you know, you had David Wright at that point, and I think it was 2012 was the first time he had the, the stress fracture in his back and kind of the injury started to take a toll on him. What was the what were the negotiations like with him for an, an extension uh, earlier in his career there? Uh, to kind of make him kind of the, the center of the franchise, even while this other stuff was going on? Well, I think that, uh, you know, with respect to any, let's say, company, there, there, there are a couple of different issues and a couple of different um, motivations. You know, short term, uh, you want to try not to just thinking in terms of the Mets as a business, um, I think you want to, on, on the one hand, you know, you're putting out a product every year. Uh, and in terms of your bottom line, you're trying not to, to lose money in, in the baseball uh, context uh, or even make some money. But definitely, you know, the financial side, the revenue, the expenses and so forth, those are all, all important issues that you have to deal with um, day to day, year to year. The other issue, the other issue, though, is is um, uh, consideration of the brand, the long term, you know, perception of uh, the business. Uh, you know, like Ford Motor Company puts out a car every year, but that's not necessarily determinative of their long term goodwill value, their brand value. It's a culmination of all of those things. So anyway, David Wright was not only a good player and not only somebody to winning and losing, lose, winning, but uh, was also, you know, somebody who was important to the franchise, represented the franchise, was, he was the captain of the team, he's a very good player, he's a great individual. Um, and so at that time, you know, notwithstanding how much it was going to cost us, um, we all felt, I think, uh, that he was important to the Mets brand that you know it was important for us to sign david it would maybe signal um a commitment to the future uh it would um uh provide a contrast to the fact that you know our payroll had gotten lower or a year or two and might stay that way for a while um but it was kind of a um uh as i said i think uh, a 
signal to the fans that look we were in this for the long haul um you may recall that at the same time we were negotiating with david we were negotiating also um um you know a possible uh contract for our cy young winner uh from the year before and uh so um you know david was always a priority but at the same time we were you know we were trying to figure out exactly what to do uh with um dickie so um so anyway david you know was important from from that standpoint as well the other thing i would say just from a personal perspective is that uh the thing about david was um the other thing that, that i i found tremendously valuable and, and appreciated was the fact that he really bought into what we were trying to do from a baseball perspective you know the plan that we had uh um he really bought into it i mean he i remember you know during our negotiations it really wasn't a negotiation but it, i went down and played golf with him in norfolk and we just talked about that uh you know, over the course of um, a few holes. And uh, the important thing about that was that because David believed in the plan and and uh, supported it publicly, he gave us a little room, you know, to actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, actually work the plan. And so I think he, you know, there were a few things that kind of gave us some credibility before we actually got to 2015. Uh, that kept the fan base kind of uh, supportive of what we were doing. And uh, David's uh, endorsement was one of those things. And there were a couple of trades along the way that I think gave the fans some confidence that, you know, we knew what we were doing. So, um, so anyway, David was important for a lot of reasons, I felt, uh, for the franchise and then for what we were trying to do in baseball operations uh, specifically. Those trades, obviously, uh, dealing for Zach Wheeler and the Carlos Beltran deal with the Giants, and as you mentioned, dealing R.A. Dickey for Noah Syndergaard, as well as Travis Darnot. But getting back to David, how hard was it to watch the physical ailments that slowed him down? And he was someone that, you know, he was supposed to be the guy for the franchise as you're working this timeline. And then we know he was able to make it back for a, a period there at the end of 2015, but really not being the, you know, the stalwart that you needed. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough on a couple of levels. It was tough personally because, I, you know, I, I love David. He's just a wonderful person and, and you want people like that to be successful. Um, and, you know, secondly, we had a lot invested in him. Uh, uh, and the, um, the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to perform um, really ad- adversely affected the team. There's no question about that. And then I go back to what I said about the Madoff situation, just the uncertainty that David created, because we were never quite sure when, if, to what extent he would be able to come back. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, you're not sure, so you can't turn the page, uh, but you, you do have to create an alternative scenario. And it was never, you know, it was never fully resolved. Um, um, and that made it, you know, just a little bit difficult from a, from a planning standpoint, uh, uh, given his situation. 
Tim. Are you a morning person? Are you a guy who gets up, attacks the day? No. No, I am <laughs> no. not. <laughs> well, I think I have a, a thing for you. Now, I'll often hit the coffee, and that'll get me going. But I'm reading about here hydrant. So, you know, 75% is walking around dehydrated. We don't have what we need. It can leave you with headaches, energy sumps, poor, poor focus. Like when I go on my runs and then I, you know, I'm dehydrated the rest of the day. Uh, but you can have hydrant in the morning. It, it hydrates you. It gets you going. Uh, basically, it's flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into water. It makes hydrating your body easy and delicious. Now, I haven't had a chance, an opportunity yet to try hydrant. Just made the order, uh, but I'm looking forward to diving into this, get out of the caffeine habit, uh, mix it up. So uh, I'll be telling you how how it goes here with hydrant, uh, but certainly excited about getting some of the electrolytes that you need and and not doing it with a ton of unhealthy sugars. Uh, So listen, for Listeners here to the Metrospective, you can get 25% off your first order. Go to drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Again, drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. You mentioned the way he bought in to kind of what you were trying to do around 2012, 2013. How tough was it and how challenging is it to get not just players, but uh, a fan base that, that is known for being relatively demanding to buy into that kind of patient approach at that time as a, as a general manager? I think you just have to be, you know, straightforward with people and um, make sure they understand what you're trying to do. I, I think, I think it, it really requires two... Um, uh, commitments on on your on your part as a as a uh, administrator. The first is to articulate a plan that seems to make sense, and then the second is you have to give people some evidence that it's arguably working. And the third thing is you you have to really be careful to de- not to deviate from the plan. So people don't like to be surprised and people don't are, are constantly sort of evaluating whether what you're doing is consistent with what you said you were going to do. That's true in baseball. It's true in politics. It's true in a lot of things. Um, so it wasn't as if we were afraid to deviate from a plan, but we had to make sure that we, we were being consistent over time so that people didn't perceive us as just spinning something as opposed to actually, you know, living it and um, adhering to it. So, you know, we had a plan. Uh, as I said before, there were two or three things that happened that, that suggested to people that we actually were able to execute on the plan. And then we were very careful not to do something crazy that seemed to either undermine or deviate significantly, uh, you know, from, from, from what people had confidence, we had created the confidence in uh, our fan base uh, for having done. That makes sense. How would you describe your relationship with Terry Collins? over the years and uh and how many times was he 
a game away, perhaps, from from being let go? Or was that a conversation over the the long time that he was the manager? Uh, no, I, I you know, generally speaking, so Terry was there what seven eight years. Um, we had a great relationship. Um, I mean, one of the reasons we hired Terry originally was because his personality was a little different than mine and JP's and Paul D. Podesta. Um, uh, one of the great things about Terry was that he was um, he was open to talk about things. Um, on the other hand, I never really uh, tried to dictate what he would do on the field. Uh, we had general conversations. I didn't um, dump a lot of paper on him or statistics or, or analysis. I mean, we, we talked about it in general terms. He was certainly aware of uh, um, you know, various probabilities based on analytics, yada, yada, yada. But, but you know, he, he, he ran the team. Uh, I gave him that uh, leeway, and that's how I had approached it, um, you know, in Oakland when I was there, uh, even before uh, Tony La Russa arrived and, and, and thereafter. Um, so we had, a, you know, we had a really good relationship. How close did he come to getting fired? I, you know, uh, First of all, don't assume I had the authority to, to fire him anyway, uh, uh, um, solely. Um, but um, that, that didn't happen. Um, obviously, you know, he left uh, a year before I did. But, um, um, you know, generally speaking, through most of the time that Terry was there, we had a great relationship. I just talked to him the other day because first time I'd actually talked to him in a while because uh, – Midland, Michigan, his hometown was the one that was flooded uh, recently, and I called to make sure that his, uh, you know, his family, if he had family remaining in Midland, uh, was okay, and everybody was. But uh, you know, Terry's a refreshing personality. He's, one of the things I thought made him so popular in New York is his authenticity. He he wore everything on his sleeve, and um, you know, didn't hold back a lot. And um, um, that argument with Tom Hallion after the fact, <laughs> I mean, if, if people didn't get Terry at the time or frustrated by certain moves, you couldn't deny the passion, especially when you know that came out. I think it was in the middle of 2018. Yeah, no, he always uh, he always had the passion. And to his credit, you know, he uh, uh, harnessed a lot of that passion in his in his uh, time with the Mets, uh, whereas earlier in his career, he was uh, a little less able to do that. Um, but again, he was, he was just, you know, people I think saw him as kind of an honest broker, uh, between the fans and the players and, um, um, never threw the players under the bus, but never went out of his way to, to, uh, um, create some sort of nonsense excuse either for what, uh, may or may not have happened. We'll have more with Sandy Alderson in the next episode of the Metrospective, which will come out a day early on Thursday. Uh, Sandy will dive into the success of 2015 and dealing with the team's success and, and that run uh, all at the same time that he received a, a cancer diagnosis and how he balanced those two things. Uh, Sandy also answered whether or not he considers his time in New York successful. So you can hear that again. The next episode of The Metrospective in part two of our interview with Sandy Alderson coming on Thursday morning. Mm-hmm.